Welcome back to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with my co-host Shane Mason, and we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. I know. I saw him that say, wake. Shane, wake up. Sorry. <laughs> Just thinking about the baby whisper makes me snooze. So every new parent's been there, sleep-deprived, exhausted, pacing the floor at 3 a.m. with an irritable, ba- irritable baby who's having trouble calming down and going back to sleep. Why well, I never did it. Yeah. In Secrets of a Baby Nurse, a medical professional relies on scientific research, personal study, and a lifelong adoration of babies to provide parents with valuable tips that are going to help their baby sleep. So this leads them to discover the delight of a well-rested, tranquil, and happy child, and most importantly, a good night's sleep for everyone. Marsha Pod, one of our favorite guests, is a seasoned maternal infant nurse, lactation specialist, and expert on baby sleep. She also can do adults as well. She shares her professional expertise in reading the body language of thousands of babies in order to teach parents how to help their babies sleep better. Marsha, welcome to Nurse Talk. It's always a pleasure to have you with us. And I'm curious already about how you read the body language of a baby, because of course, to me, all they do is sit there and go, where, where, where? Well, thank you for having me back. I really enjoy, you know, when I come and visit you. And, you know, babies, of course, fascinate me, and I can usually figure them out in the first couple minutes that I meet them. Really? There's those babies that look me directly in the eye and smile and, you know, seem very happy and friendly. And then there's those, just a few that I've met, that are super sensitive, and they just start screaming the minute that they see me. Like Rosemary's baby? Totally, (laughs) Rosemary's baby. And how many Rosemary's babies have you seen? (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness I haven't seen very many. But I learn a lot in those first few minutes. And I remember the friendliest baby that I ever met. He wanted to go right into my arms and, you know, I call him the Obama personality. He was like ready to shake my hand. He wanted to check me out, came up really close and personal And so all of that information tells me a lot about their temperament. And then that tells me what kind of personality I'm working with and how to create their sleep structure. Now, I got to say this isn't part of the questionnaire, but that begs the question for me. So do you think your personality is is innate, that you're born with it? I think your temperament is innate. Mm. I think we're born with a certain um, variety of sensitivity factors. Mm. That's how we read our environment. Mm. So I kind of compare them to antlers, okay, or (laughs) antenna that (laughs) bugs have. And some read things very far away and can pick up signals, and other, you know, people can only read you when you're, staring them in the face two inches away. So that tells a lot about just who you are and how you receive signals from the world. That, I think, is innate. Personality is what develops over time, and you can influence that with the environment. Yeah, that's after the world's beaten them down for a few years, right? (laughs) So, Marcia, there's a lot of things we want to talk about, but let's stay with the baby sleep issue for just a moment. In your book, you give step-by-step instructions for new parents. So let's start with number one. You talk about how to interpret a baby's cues, create a good sleep environment, and initiate a peaceful detachment. Yeah, and so what's really important in the beginning is just to tune into your baby. I'm always amazed how many parents don't tune in. Mm. It's like those lessons didn't ever happen. So tuning in means, is your baby stopping? Is your baby quieting down, staring off into space? Or is your baby rubbing his eyes and crying? 
that signal of being over the edge is already too late. We want to catch a baby when they're just starting to get into that daydreamy place where they're quieting down and staring off into space. Believe it or not, that's the perfect timing to put a baby down for a nap or for bedtime. Once you're already over the edge, it's like your brain is already getting revved up to get more cortisol and go into high activity mode because we miss that perfect timing. You know, you say that, Marcia, and I have always found uh, in my nursing years that some of the best nurses are those women who've been mothers. And that right there tells me a lot about why they can make a good nurse, because if you can turn into, if you can tune into your baby, if you can see what your baby's experience is and then adjust your behavior accordingly, that's exactly what you do with patients all the time. You tune in and see where they're at. And then you adjust what you have to do to meet that. So that's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same process. Same really. skill set. Yes. You know, it's it's really about relationships and communication. So true. So very true. It works for adults and it works for babies. So very true. So maybe what we should be doing is make everybody go through a little baby course with you. That should be just like right out of high school. Yeah. They should sit and do a baby course. That's if they pass the application to get to have a baby to begin with. <laughs> yeah, that's true because we definitely need an application process. But number two on the questions, uh, Ms. Pod, is in how do you ensure a healthy womb environment? Sounds a little too personal, but take it away. <laughs> well, it's, it's really about reading information and getting directions from your doctor and, and kind of being wise and smart. But there's more and more research that shows that what you do when you're pregnant can affect the later consequences for your child. Mm. So, for instance, there's been some studies that have come out of the northern European countries where they eat a lot of fish. And those uh, mothers who have had a lot of fish oils in their diet have babies from birth who sleep better. Oh, fascinating. I mm. thought they would be little swimmers. <laughs> she could throw them right in the pool. They'd swim all around. So, well, you never know. They might be that too. <laughs> and what about even like noise and light and arguing mm. with your partner? Like it mm. just seems like all that stuff would make a make difference. It, yeah, yeah. Have an impact. Well, it, it's true. We know now that there are noises that babies can hear in the womb. Mm. And, you know, depends on your activity level when you're pregnant. We also can build strength in babies in the womb. A lot of people don't even realize that. By your being an active person when you're pregnant and moving allows the baby to move and get strong in the womb. So we can affect a lot before they even land on the planet. Well, that's quite fascinating. So one of the things, of course, that I think about is maybe this would be a good time for the mother to take up TM, Transcendental Meditation. Oh, God. 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the early <laughs> evening. I'm just saying Shane hates this stuff, but you were Sponsored there, Sponsored by the Marcia. County of Marin. <laughs> Sponsored well, we by Northern California woo-woo. <laughs> that keeps us balanced and centered. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And I'm going to just put a plug in for you young expectant mothers um, especially because I have a niece who is pregnant who called and told me she was very distraught and very upset that her thyroid levels were off and she went to see an endocrinologist and they were going to put her on medication and she went online and read about the medication and was so afraid to take it that it would hurt her baby. And the first thing I said to her is stay off the internet. Number one, stay off the internet. Number two, you're creating an environment for your child. So do you want to be totally freaked out for the kid? I don't think that's a good idea. 
what would your advice have been? Well, I think everything has a place of balance. And when we're out of balance, and thank goodness we have blood tests that can check that, to get help with being back in balance Mm. affects so many other body systems and hormone systems Mm. that help create a good womb environment. Mm. So I'm one who is all for being in balance. It's like the balance of... You know, enough sleep, enough food, and enough activity. Those are our three basic needs. So, yes, unfortunately, some of us need medicines to to help us do that. But it's so wonderful that we have that option today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so also, I know that we're talking about babies getting sleep, but also you want them awake at certain times. So how do you encourage a newborn towards daytime wakefulness? Well, if you get off on the right foot, in the first few weeks after you come home with your baby. And you just start creating good uh, rhythms. And a rhythm is just as simple as, you know, when your baby wakes up, you feed your baby, you diaper your baby afterwards because, you know, food triggers that elimination process. And then, you know, the diaper chains wakes the baby up, and so you have some interaction and touch and looking and movement. And it's making me want to dance. So <laughs> what kind of music would I want to be playing for a good rhythm? I'm thinking something bluesy, maybe a little jazz action. Certainly Anything not. Anything uh, that makes you want to move is going to be good as long as it's not too loud. No but, you know, that is yeah. a very good point because sound does play a very big part in us sleeping as well as us moving and being awake and active. So in creating a good sleep environment, you want it to be quiet or you want to use white noise to help block out the other noises around it. This is where the temperament comes in because if you have a highly sensitive baby who's tuned into the world and hears all those noises and can't settle down, you need to help that environment. So some kids it doesn't bother. I bet. So would you say the womb environment is what you should create in their room? Well, or not? ideally, <laughs> it's a good thing, but not So the sounds would be all muffly depending. and it'd be like... Yeah, depending on who your baby is. Yeah. Like I said, some babies need that. Some are more sensitive. Some are born early and the transition is a little rougher. Mm. So the more you can help them kind of land on the planet by creating a more womb-like situation, the easier it is for them. And then I suppose you should build in consistent daily rhythms around uh, sleep and eating and feed them at the right. same time and bathe them at the same time and do all that stuff. In, in a perfect world, yeah. yes, but it's not so much about the time on the clock. It's more about linking the behaviors. And the one thing I want parents to hear is that if you can feed your baby when your baby wakes up, as opposed to feed your baby to sleep, Mm. you're going to make a whole lot of difference in how this plan goes. So, Well, say a little bit more about that. Why is that so important? Well, food is fuel, and it turns our metabolism on. It's like a fire. It it blazes our energy. And so even though it's an exercise and at first babies can get tired and sleepy, it actually turns our body on and it gives us energy. So if we can, you know, eat and then have activity to burn that fuel, we're going to rest better when we do rest. Smart. So, uh, you know, I'm a psych professional, so I have worked with some women before that have had postpartum depression, Mm. which obviously at that point it's tertiary. How do we back that up and avoid postpartum depression altogether? Well, some, 
Some women are definitely more likely to develop this if they have a history of depression at all with their periods or with, you know, some, something in their past that, you know, triggers that mood. So they're more in the high-risk category. But we know now, just in the last five years, they've proved that if you don't get enough sleep, you're more likely to get depressed for anybody, okay? But especially mm-hmm. vulnerable are the new moms. Mm-hmm. So it's important that you cherish your own sleep patterns. And I tell moms if they're in that high-risk category, they should be pumping some milk and save it up so that when they feel like they're getting close to that sleep deprivation place, they need to enlist somebody to help them out so that they can take a sleep break. Because if you get just four hours in a row of sleep, then you are off on the right foot. The likelihood of you getting depressed is much less because four hours can restore your brain. Four hours? How am I supposed to maintain my golf game on only four hours of sleep? Really? How are you? I don't even think I could do my job on four hours, Marsha, and you want these poor mothers to have that screaming baby for 12 hours on four hours of sleep? No, I said four hours total. I I said four hours in a row. I got you. And that makes sense. being awakened. And then if you get up and feed your baby and you go back to bed for another three or four hours, then you're going to be good. And what you said is so important. Get somebody to help you out. So oftentimes your partner is out working and you're alone with the baby and the uh, wisdom out there is that, you know, it only takes one person to take care of a baby. Not, you do need another helper there. Takes a village, right? Definitely takes a village, especially in those first few weeks. Absolutely. I'm one to say, you know, people get, a very good benefit from being asked to help, too. Yes, they so do. Don't feel guilty. Ask for support when you need it from your family, from your friends. You know, if people want to bring you food and do your laundry, let them. Yeah, that's great. And you can you can reverse that and give it back to them. So it's good. So, Marsha, all of this is available in your book, Secrets of a Baby Nurse, available on Amazon and on your website, go to sleepbaby.com. Dot com, which should be really dot com. <laughs> That's a very good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that is. So we have a little bit of time left. So, Marsha, let's talk a little bit just briefly about technology and how it's entered into play. Is there a lot of tech raising babies nowadays? Oh, my, yes. I I'll never forget the first parent I went to visit. And I said, how many peas and poops has your, di- has your baby had in the last 24 hours? And they said, wait, I have to check my iPhone. Ugh. Wow. So, there are apps for tracking your baby's sleep, your baby's oh signals gosh. of eating and all and of the output. On a so graph that your it's become carry. a technological world. And the latest thing that's just come out this year are at least three different uh, devices that they're working on, some that are built into clothes and some that you just strap on like an ankle bracelet. And they monitor your baby's sleep and feeding and arousal and all of that, which is going to give you feedback so that you can see patterns develop and also know that your baby's doing well. Now, would that prevent um, SIDS if they have that little band on their foot? So presumably if the baby would stop breathing, it would sound an alarm that would wake you up. Is that true? Well, first of all, let's just say you can't prevent SIDS. True. SIDS is sudden infant death syndrome. It's usually a variety of physiological consequences that 
uh, create no breathing and then no heartbeat. And, you know, what we've seen change with infant death is all the suffocation. Mm. We've taken away a lot from the crib, no stuffed animals, no blankets, no bumpers, no nothing. So now there's no suffocation hazard. So we've seen more infants survive. And now we're not recommending co-sleeping because even bodies can suffocate babies. So it's not really going to prevent SIDS in the true sense of the word, Mm. but it's going to allow parents to be more responsive in a more timely way. And if some people really want to look at helping their baby, it might help them develop a better rhythm and a better, you know, plan. I'm not sure if this is a good thing yet or not. I think sometimes people can get too focused on technology and then they let down the other human cues. Mm. You know, it's like texting. Yes. It's like, okay, the brain is changing because we don't look at people in the face anymore. We don't know what their emotions are. What their cues are, yes. And that could happen to parents too, which isn't a good thing. Which is so smart that that you think it through to that extent. So one last thing, Marcia, you say you're gearing up for your busiest month, which is September. Why is that your busiest month? Well, during the course of the summer, which really starts in about April, everybody starts waking up earlier. Everybody starts enjoying the light patterns of the summer being these long days. And people go to bed later. And by mm. September, when it's back to school season, everybody's tired, usually sleep deprived, had a very active time. And now people reach out and say, my family's falling apart. Mm. We're not doing so well. And we got off balance. And so I have a lot of parents who I've worked with, especially those that maybe have two-year-olds and Mm. up, who call me and say, why is my child waking up five times? They never used to do that. And waking up frequently in the night is a sign of sleep deprivation. Mm. So I say get back on early to bed mode, pay attention to the needed hours of sleep, and try and get back in balance. Very good. We've been talking with RN Marsha Pod, a.k.a. The Baby Whisperer. For more information about Marsha, you can purchase her book, Secrets of a Baby Nurse, by visiting Amazon.com or go to sleepbaby.com or calm as the case may be. 